Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may hear this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are in episode 234 of our Bible Bites today, going through the scriptures this year. And my reading for today is Jeremiah 35 through 37. So I want to welcome you as we look into these chapters in God's Word in the book of Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah 35, and I will hopefully explain to you why as we look at that right now. It's a very rich chapter. So let's begin in Jeremiah 35. We're also going to bring a few points from 36 and 37 as well. Jeremiah 35 is another visual object lesson that God sets up. So in verse 1 through 5, God sets up a test for these people that are called the Rechabites. Now, who are the Rechabites? They are the sons of Jonadab, who was the son of Rechab. To get the history on them, you have to understand uh, and go back to 2 Kings chapter 10 and 2 Chronicles 2 verse 55. So from those scriptures, 2 Kings 10 talks about Jehu and how he takes Jonadab, the son of Rechab, with him. And Jonadab and Jehu uh, begin to do some things that, that God had prophesied would be done. And so Jonadab becomes a, a helper to Jehu in that instance. But 2 Chronicles 2.55 gives some of the history um, as far as where this family came from. So... They are, the Rechabites were descended from the Kenites, and they were from Hamath, who was descended from Rechab, the father of Jonadab. Now, the Kenites were of the family of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. So they were from the Midian territory. They were nomadic. They lived in tents. You'll see that in a moment. Um, but they were from the Midian territory south of Israel. Very possible or probable, perhaps, that they were even of a Gentile origin and really not Jewish at all. But I want you to notice what God sets up here, because we need to see some spiritual application from this. I want you to notice in verses 1 through 5, God is setting up the test. Notice this. God tells Jeremiah, the man of God, to go and get these people and bring them to the house of God, and then to put a bunch of wine before them and tell them to drink it. Now think about this. You've got the man of God. Let's consider that to be a pastor or a priest or a rabbi today that goes and gets these people, these nomadic people that were of the tribe and the family from Moses' family, uh, Moses' father-in-law's family, Jethro, and God says, go down and get them, bring them to the temple, to the house of the Lord. Today, we might say to your church building or your synagogue, bring them in, put a bunch of wine before them, tell them to drink. And so it would have been very easy for these people to have said, well, the man of God is telling us this, so it must be okay. And it's all happening in the house of God, so it must be okay. 
and you know there's wine here and we're being told by the man of God to drink so it must be okay so it would have been very easy in the face of this temptation for them to have responded that way so Jeremiah goes and he does this and he sets it down and he says to them in verse 5 drink wine I want to read to you their response and God knew this all along, which is why he set up this test. In verse 6, But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, or have any of these. But all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us, uh, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build, oh, that he charged us to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have vineyard field or seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up into the land that we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwell at Jerusalem. So he's just explaining why they were so close that Jeremiah could go and get them. They weren't down in Midian. They had come up to Jerusalem. But the point is, they refused. They refused based on principle of what they had been taught. It had been ingrained in them. It had been embedded in them and passed down from generation to generation to generation that they were not to touch wine. They were not to build these uh, the, the houses and plant the vineyards and do all of those things. It was, it was something that had been passed on to them and they held fast to it. Even in the face of temptation, even in the face of what seemed to be liberty, even possibly God-blessed liberty, it appeared at the time. Because the man of God had taken them to the house of God, put it before them and said, drink it. So it was very tempting for them to have assumed it was an okay thing to do. But... They didn't because their father, a long time ago, had taught them, no, you stay away from it. You don't touch it, never, ever in my lineage. And they had obeyed that. This was now a good 250 to 280 years after Jonadab, the son of Rechab, in the days of Jehu. So we're talking about hundreds of years and several generations. And yet that particular structure and, and statute and ordinance in their, in their family and in their home had been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And they were living in obedience even in this very day. Now, that's why God chose them, and that's why God set up this, this whole test, because the rest of the chapter, you see, 
God comes back and God says to them, then it says in verse 12, for instance, then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction to obey my words? Says the Lord, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed for to this day they drink none and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. I've also sent you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way. Amend your doings and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear nor obeyed me. Surely the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people has not obeyed me. He's using it as an object lesson to show them and to testify to them. Look, you've got this family that is Gentile, really. They don't even have a covenant relationship with me. But because they had a father that loved them and cared for them and set a principle in line for their family, they've obeyed that. But my own family, my children, Israel, where are you? Why haven't you obeyed me like they have? So it's all an object lesson that God is using, and he shows it to them. So then he goes on in verse 17, and he says, and 18, he says, okay, you, you've refused me. This object lesson even proves that, and so the judgment is coming. But I want you to see what God did for these Rechabites. Listen to this, because, because of their faithfulness, God gave them a special blessing. In verse 18, it says this, And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he commanded you, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. Friend, what a powerful blessing and reward these people got. They weren't expecting that. God went over and above. The God of, that we serve, the God of the Bible, goes over and above. Ephesians 3.20 says that. But I want you to notice why. It was because of the choice they made in the face of temptation. Their choice to live right, their choice to choose to obey and do the right thing brought an eternal blessing on their children. It lasted generations after generations after generations. Listen, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. What does it mean to stand before the Lord? 
Oh, I tell you what, it's talking about being clean before the Lord, being in right standing and in favor with him. What a great reward for their decision to hold fast to what was right. Even after 250 to 280 years, they were still doing the right thing. And God gave them an awesome blessing, even for generations. This was a forever promise to them of standing before the Lord in favor and in purity. I want to give you these references. If you'd like to jot them down, you can look them up. Jeremiah chapter 15 verses 1 and 19 speak about how someone can stand before him. And Psalm 24 also speaks about who can ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand before him. And it talks about those that have clean hands, pure hearts, and have not sworn deceitfully or lifted their soul to any idol. And so that's what's promised to this family because of a choice they made when God put them to the test. Our choices matter, and our choices can affect many generations beyond us from generation to generation. So may we be like the Rechabites who will stand rightly, who will do the right thing, who will honor God and obey Him so that even the blessings that God wants to bestow on us can pour into our children for many generations, perhaps even forever. Hallelujah. In chapter 36, Jeremiah is told to write his book, to write down everything. And so, you know, we have uh, the book of Jeremiah here. He's, he's told to write all the words of the Lord, everything that God has spoken. So he writes it. Well, actually, he calls Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch writes on the scroll at the instruction of Jeremiah. We might call that a ghost writer today. But Baruch actually pens the words like a scribe would as they're dictated by Jeremiah from the word of the Lord, because the Holy Spirit was the one giving him the words to say. So they write this book, and then the, um, the Baruch is told to go and read it in the house of the Lord. So he does. He goes in the fifth year, uh, about a year or so later after the uh, verse 1, when, when he's given the instruction to write it. And we don't know the exact month he was told to write it, but about a year later in the ninth month, they proclaimed a big fast, and that's when this book is read, is read to them. Well, some of the princes decide they want a private reading, and so they call for Jeremiah to come and to read it to them. And so he goes into a chamber there privately with a group of them, and he reads it. And it says... Um, they ask him, they say, how did you write all these words at his instruction, meaning Jeremiah's? And Baruch says, yeah, he proclaimed it with his mouth, and I wrote them in, in, with ink in a book. And verse 19, then the princess said to Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah and let no one know where you are. So they recognized the danger that these writings would put into them. But I want you to notice that it caused fear in these people that were hearing it, maybe even conviction to them. But they feared the Lord and they recognized, whoa, we're in trouble. Judgment's coming. And you guys, you better go hide because y'all are going to be in danger if you don't. 
So anyway, they go into the king. They read the words to the king. Well, the king does exactly what they thought he was going to do. They call for them. Um, he, he, first of all, he takes that scroll and he throws it in the, a burning fire that's before him and he tries to destroy it. God's word can never be destroyed, beloved. I will tell you that right now. It will stand the test of time. The counsel of the Lord will stand forever, the Bible says. So, you know, they, they throw it in the fire. Notice in verse 24, talking about the king and those in his house with him there, it says this in verse 24 of chapter 36. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments. The king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. In other words, they, they were the epitome of having hard hearts and seared consciences. They would not repent. They were not even bothered by this. They had no fear toward God whatsoever. They totally had disdained it. So they throw it in the fire, think they've destroyed it, and then they go and they say, go get Jeremiah and bring him to me. So they go after uh, Jeremiah and uh, they, they try to, but the Bible says in verse 26, the Lord hid them. Praise God, because God wasn't through yet. And God wasn't going to let Jeremiah be taken yet because Jeremiah had to write it again. If you read in verse 27 and beyond, you'll see that Jeremiah's told you got to write it again, write the whole book all over again, and add similar words because because of what Zedekiah had done in the destroying of that book and trying to throw it in the fire and get rid of it, God even added to his judgment, and God even added to his punishment. And so it says in the very last uh, part of the verse of that, the last verse of that chapter, it says, and besides, there were added to them many similar words. So, you know, God was adding to the judgment because of what Zedekiah had done and so forth. So God saw to it that his word was, in fact, preserved. Now, we do, uh, in chapter 37, see some of the backstory to perhaps an earlier chapter when Jeremiah was shut up in prison um, in the time of Zedekiah and so forth. We see how Zedekiah does shut him up in prison. Um, and, you know, at first he gets uh, put in prison through John Jonathan, a scribe, and he's cast into a dungeon and he ends up staying there many days. And then Zedekiah calls him from there and um, he uh, comes before Zedekiah, and then Zedekiah does shut him up in prison because he doesn't like the, the word of the Lord. He's not receiving it. But so Zedekiah does shut him up in the court of the prison and commands that he be given a daily portion of bread um, from the Baker Street until all the bread of the city was gone. So Jeremiah remains in the court of that prison for a season of time, um, according to this chapter. So this is Jeremiah 35 through 37. I hope that this has been a blessing to you today. I hope that we will be like those sons of Rechab that will make choices, good choices, that will grant blessings to our generations to come, perhaps even until Jesus comes again and forever until the end. In Jesus' name, I pray this is a blessing to you, and I hope you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you today.